Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. What's up, City View? Hey, do you remember a time in your life where you really cared about what people thought about you? Like maybe you have to rewind all the way back to like middle school when everybody was rocking Doc Martens and Jellies and you, my friend, had to rock the Airwalks from Payless. I lived that life, that Payless life. I remember those days or maybe it was high school for you and and you had your uncle's old beater car because that's all, what, all you could have. And the rest of the kids in your class had BMWs and lifted trucks. And you're just looking around going, man, what, what, did, I, what did I do wrong? This is so crazy. Or, or maybe for you, it was more recently. And you have a, a really successful sister-in-law. And she's coming to see your house for the very first time. And you want it to look perfect because her house looks like a magazine. And you just, you just want yours to look kind of cute. Or maybe it's just as simple as hoping that your boss sees how hard you work so you can get your Christmas bonus. The reality is very few people actually believe the phrase, well, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to do me and you do you, boo-boo. And sure, there's plenty of people on social media that say that, but they're on social media hoping somebody's going to like and watch their video. Because at the end of the day, like we all have this part of us that like we we just want to belong. We want to feel like we we have a place. We want to feel like we're just simply acknowledged. And if nothing else, like if if really you want to hold on to that phrase and say, no, 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 I don't care what anybody thinks about me. At the end of the day, at least you would admit you want to be respected. You want someone somewhere in your life to see value and and value in what you bring to the table. The reality is at at one level or another, we're all asking these questions like, do you like me? Do I fit in? Do I have a a place here? Maybe for some of you, you're you're a little bit higher on that that need for affirmation. You're like, do you like this, this picture of me? Like if I take this selfie just the right way at this angle with my neck turned the right way, it just, it puts my face in the perfect light. That's my good side. Or maybe for some of you, it's not even you, it's your kids. It's like, do you, do you think my kids are cute? Do you think this picture of my kids are cute? This Christmas card, if you knew what I went through to get this Christmas card done, like this picture is cute, but the Christmas tree got burned down immediately afterwards. Like there's something in us that just want to be seen. And we value the opinions and the thoughts and the words of the people around us. And maybe for you, again, you want to push back and go, I am not that like vain. I don't care about that. But at the end of the day, you do want someone to acknowledge how hard you work. You care if your bosses, if your spouse sees how hard you work 
And maybe they, they give you something towards that, a bonus or, or words of affirmation, or, or they just acknowledge for you, man, you've been working really hard this season. And those words matter and you strive for those. You strive for those positions that affirm your hard work. And this week's story, we're going to look at the Bible character of Joseph. And in the Christmas story, he has a unique part to play because he technically becomes the stepfather of Jesus or a guardian, if you would, because he's engaged to a young woman named Mary, who just a couple weeks ago we talked about had an unexpected interaction with an angel that said, hey, by the way, God has chosen you to send his son, the savior of the world, onto the planet. And guess what? It's you, and you're going to become pregnant through the Holy Spirit. We didn't look at the other side of the story of of how Joseph handled that, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. And Joseph wrestled with this struggle of what people were going to think of him. This struggle of, of, of the perception of this situation. And maybe he even struggled with the perception of Mary in the moment. But today I'm excited to look at the story of Joseph. And it's just so we have a little bit of context. He's, he's engaged to Mary. And, and engagement in this day is, is so much deeper than we even understand. Because like today, if things go wrong when a couple is engaged and somebody just gets weird in the situation or does something stupid, you just, you just call it off, everyone moves on, no big deal. But in this day, an engagement lasted a year and it was like a binding contract. And if you were to get out of an engagement, you actually had to file for divorce. It was so far that like, If you're engaged to someone and one of you actually dies, you're considered a widow or a widower. Like that's how significant it was. So as you're looking at the story and we're going through these, understand that like the depth of of what's going on in Joseph's mind and, and how significant this was to him. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 1, we're going to jump into verse 18. And it says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And just pause there for a second, because if we were to just get in the mind of Mary and Joseph, like, could you imagine Joseph after a long day, he's working, he's he's a carpenter, he's getting everything together, he's He's been building all day. He's sweaty. He's covered in dust. And Mary comes over to the house and says, hey, honey, uh, I got some big news, but you might want to sit down. And I don't know. I don't know how she unpacked this. Maybe she just had this wonderful speech of how the angel came and told him, told her how it was going to happen. And it was, it was beautiful. But at some point in the story, she had to deliver the news I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This is happening. And I can just imagine Joseph in the moment. Maybe you guys are better than I am. But if I'm Joseph, something on the inside begins to shift. And I'm just kind of like, how long did it take you to come up with this story? 
pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Is that what you're going to go with? Like, seriously, I, I saw the way Bartholomew was looking at you at the well. You're going to try to convince me that it was the Holy Spirit that got you pregnant and not him? Are you kidding me? Like, either, Mary, either you're a liar or you're crazy. Either way, I'm out. I'm all the way out in this situation. Again, maybe you're better than I am, but like, if, if Lauren walked in the house and she's like, hey, baby, uh, I'm pregnant. Uh, the issue is, it's not really your baby, but it's the Lord's. I'm just like, get out. We don't need to talk about that. Are you crazy? Like, no. And so we're, we're feeling this. Some of, the, some of the guys watching this with me, you're like, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. But guess what? The part of the story, the hallmark story that we kind of glaze over, that's exactly where Joseph was. Look at verse 19. It said, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Look, he was honorable. He didn't make a scene. He didn't make this big deal about it. But he goes, yeah, sweetie, I'm out. Like, I'm going to do it quietly, but... This is too much. This crazy train is more than I'm ready for. Because you, you can't blame him. He understands that Mary is going to be marked with this for the rest of her life. And so is he. Like, either they're both lying and he got her pregnant, according to the rest of the community around them, or... She got pregnant by somebody else, cheated on him, and he's such a feeble, weak man that he still decided to marry her and allow her to carry this baby for some other man because no one's going to believe that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Like, it's just not going to happen. And if he divorces her publicly, he makes this big scene about it, what other father in the community is going to bless his daughter with marrying Joseph? Baby, I, like, I know you think he's cute, but do you remember what happened with him and Mary? Like, I am not signing you up for that. This had the potential to ruin both of their lives. Now, on the, on the other hand, divorcing her quietly was, was super honoring, and it was just such a respectful thing to do. And what it communicates to me is that, like, Joseph really loved Mary. Like he, he truly cared about her. And, and maybe in his mind, he's thinking like, if you, if you can go somewhere else and you can have the baby and we just, we do this quietly and, and eventually I'll be able to move on with my life and you can move on with yours. We'll just go our separate ways and everything will be okay. Like, I don't want to take the streets going, she cheated on me, stoned her. He decided in his heart, let's just quietly end this. But at the end of the day, sweetheart, I'm out. I can't do this. Joseph might have said, baby, all I want for Christmas is a peaceful life. This is not what I signed up for at all. But he's about to learn this important lesson when it comes to being obedient to God. Check it out on the screen. Joseph learned that pleasing God often means disappointing people.
pleasing God many times in our lives. The byproduct of that obedience is disappointing people because you disappoint their expectations. You disappoint what they thought was going to happen for you or in your life or or how you handle things, and, and it just shifts some things. Look what happened in the story in verse 20 and 21. As he considered this, as he considered divorce and marriage, quietly. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And in this moment, he wakes up, and there has to be this like pendulum of emotion, like because on one hand, I get to possibly change the world. But on the other hand, I I have no idea how difficult this is going to be. Like, this is a huge, huge thing. And, And I wonder, have you ever faced a moment like that in your own life? Have you ever come face to face with pleasing God versus pleasing or gaining the approval of your family? Like, have you ever had a moment where where you had to choose between your integrity and your values and your beliefs as a follower of Jesus and what everybody else around you is doing? Maybe your boss is is asking you to cut corners or maybe you're you're dealing with a situation where like, you know, if you you lean into your integrity and your values, you're going to make less money or less profit on this thing. If you just did something a little bit shadier and you had to choose between the hard right and the easy wrong, have you have you ever had a moment where you knew if you pleased God, you decided to do what he asked you to do, that a friend, a family member, someone on the other side of that wasn't going to understand and they would be disappointed. You see, Lauren and I, we we actually deal with this on a fairly regular basis because we live so far away from our family. And as, as proud as they are of us, as excited as they are about what's happening here at the church, as, as thrilled as they are to see what's going on, it, it never really fails that every time we're kind of around it's, it's some part of our family, someone will just, just slip in the little question there of, so like, do you guys think you're ever maybe going to like move a little bit closer to us? And every time we, we just have to say, well, no, probably not. Like, it's more than just ministry. It's more than just the church. Like, San Diego is, is legitimately home for us now. And, and there's just that little bit of like, oh, okay. Well, you never know what God wants to do. <laughs> you know, like, so it's always that, like, that tension point there. And it's like, no, but this is, this is so deep for us. And, and I remember one particular time, it was after my dad's memorial service, and we were in New Orleans, and we're sitting down with a bunch of his family, and we're, we're reminiscing, and we're laughing about stories about him. And, and I could see one of my cousins, she was, she was just like, gearing up you could see somebody when they're like they're ready to say something and just she was just kind of holding it back and and finally she just she just burst out and she's like hey I just I just don't understand why you guys had to move so far away like there's there's churches all over here like can't you pick one of those and just pastor one of those like why did you have to go so far away 
And we had the opportunity to explain to our family in that moment that 90 plus percent of San Diego County doesn't have a church home. That there's a whole generation of young people, of teenagers, of middle schoolers, that they never grew up going to church. They never grew up having Sunday school lessons and hearing Bible stories. They, they have no clue who Jesus is. And getting to tell them at the time about, about the families that were like, literally, we had families that started to come to our church that were anti-God, anti-religion, against all of that. And they came to one of our marriage workshops and God started to do something in their life and they gave their lives to Jesus and, and everything started to change in their life and people were getting saved and, and discipleship was happening. And what we were doing was more than just pastoring some random church anywhere. We were specifically called to a city with a specific mission to connect people with their purpose and connect them with Jesus. And it started to click for them and they started to understand. And, and in their mind, they're like, oh, so you guys are basically like missionaries. And it's like, whatever works for you. Yes, we're, it's kind of like that, of course. It's a beautiful place to be a missionary. But yeah, you got it. But it was that understanding that as we are pleasing God and we're living right in the center of his will for our lives, there are pieces of that that's disappointing for people that we love and we care about because it pulls us so far from them. But for some of you, it's, it's actually deeper than that. It's more than just disappointing people. For some of you, you've allowed what others think about you, what they say about you, to actually determine your identity. Like your, your life is kind of built on the words and the opinions and the, the affirmations and the acknowledgement of the people around you. And you build your life on the foundation of their words. But the reality is you can't control what people say about you. But you can control what you allow to sink in. And for some of you, you've had negative words. You've had this, this heartbreaking experience. You've had these, these things that prove to you, prove to you about the lies about you. And you, you lean into those and you allow those to be what you build your life on. But it leads you to this place of heartbreak and insecurity. And it's so far from what God wants you to experience. On the other side of the coin, for some of you, your life is built on these positive affirmations, these positive words that come from people. But that's equally as dangerous. It's a funny example, but there's, there's a song by uh, Shawn Mendes and Justin Bieber who are two super, super young dudes that are talented musicians and they, their platform just rose like crazy. And they wrote this song together just talking about like the challenges that come and the pressure that they feel in those moments. And in one of the verses, Justin Bieber says, you put me on a pedestal and you tell me I'm the best. But what if I fall? What if I trip? What if I sin? Then am I the monster? Just let me know. And they're just talking about this, this pressure of, of as you're put on this pedestal of, of people's 
thoughts of you, of their, their opinions, of, of how they're telling you you're the greatest and you're amazing and you're going to do incredible things. And even people telling you you're going to do amazing things for God. If you start to build your life on the pedestal of other people's words, of other people's affirmation, and not on the promises and the truth of God, what happens when you fall? What happens when you trip? What happens when there's a mistake that's made and all of a sudden those words that were holding you up for so long disappear? Then where do you get your identity? And what God wants you to understand is that he has spoken truths over your life, over your identity. We sing songs about who you say I am and, and what he says about us. And if you build your life on those things, instead of the value that is placed on, on the words of other people, the opinions of other people, the perspective of other people, good or bad, if you don't build your life on the truths and the foundation of what God says about you, you'll find yourself in a place that those words can't hold you up. But God's truth will be that solid foundation that you can hold on to forever. Look at this truth on the screen. Being, being obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. When you become obsessed with uh, what other people think about you, when we allow other people's expectation, their words, or even their disappointments to be the foundation that our identity is built on, we're destined to fail. As we get ready to wrap up, I, I want to challenge you as you step into the season, as you begin to prepare for a brand new year, you have a unique opportunity. And here's the challenge. If you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you're probably not ready to be used by him either. That's tough. If you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, if you're not ready to take some heat for, for standing up for what he says is truth, if you're not ready to take some heat for, for obeying him in the midst of everyone else around you going, well, why are you doing that? You don't need to do that. If you're not ready for that criticism, you're probably not ready for him to use you. Because think about, think about Mary and Joseph. Imagine the criticism that they're going to walk through for simply obeying God. You know, you know how these communities work. Hey, 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 hey. You know that's not Joseph's baby, right? You know what the word on the street is. I know they say the baby's by the Holy Spirit, but I remember one night his donkey was parked outside of her apartment till 2 a.m. You telling me they were praying to 2 a.m.? Like seriously, they're, they're gonna face criticism over and over and over and over again for their obedience to God. And, and maybe in your own life, there's going to be a time where you're reading God's word and you're going through and, and God's word tells you to do something that's culturally unpopular and you're going to face criticism. Why are you doing that? That's, that's so old. The Bible, the Bible was so antiquated. It, it's, it was meant for another time. Those things, those principles, those, those truths, man, that's, that's for another generation. That was thousands of years ago. That's not for today. Why would you live your life that way? 
Maybe for some of you, you you're, you're going to choose to live with financial margin so that you can be generous sacrificially and, and give to things and, and make a difference in the world through your giving and, and people around you are going to go, well, why are you settling for less in your life when if you just keep that money, you could be able to do this and this and this and this. And you're like, no, but I feel like God wants me to, to live with margin in my life and, and to be able to give that away, give it to, to people who need it and to be able to serve people and, and to create opportunities to make a difference in the world around me. And people are like, what are you doing? You're gonna face criticism. I, I love this, this, I love this on the screen. If you wanna make a difference in the world, you will endure more pain than those who don't. It's far easier of a life to choose to, to not try to make a difference. It'll be way easier in your life just to, I'ma do me, I'ma think about me, Everybody else just do your own thing. I don't want to make a difference. I'm just trying to get through this life. That's going to be far easier than if you wake up every day and go, no, I, I've got a unique purpose that God's given me and I'm going to be obedient to him. Because you, you understand that when you're obedient to God, you're, you're stepping off of the sidelines onto the field. And when you step on the field, there's a real enemy who's coming to stop you from obeying and accomplishing what God wants to do in your life. You're going to battle when you're obedient to God. You're going to face criticism and struggle and battle. But God says, I am more than capable of getting you through anything that you face. But you got to be ready to do that. If at the first sign of adversity, you're like, whoa, God, I was trying to be obedient, but I'm not, I'm not in for all of this. Just like Joseph was like, I'm out. God can't use you when you're unwilling to lean in to that obedience. Because the beauty of this is, is so amazing. Extraordinary acts of God begin with extraordinary acts of obedience. Just think about this. The savior of the world came to existence through two teenage kids that said, yes, God, we'll take the risk. Yes, we'll do it. And they didn't have all the details. Like, seriously, all the angels said is, you're going to have a boy. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to save a whole bunch of people. Like, that's not a whole lot. Like, could you imagine Mary and Joseph being like, well, like, how are we supposed to raise him? He's the son of God. Like, how do we, how do we discipline him? Are we ever going to discipline him? Is he ever going to get in trouble? Is he ever going to, like, stick something in the outlet? Do we spank him? Does he spank us? Do we do time out? Like, what do we do here? And I wonder how many of you, you get into these situations and you go, God, God, I'll obey if you would just give me the details. And God's like, I'm not giving you the details. If I, if I showed you the whole picture, you wouldn't take the first step. If God would have showed Lauren and I the full picture of what he was going to do over the last couple of years in our lives, I want to be bold and say that we would say, yeah, but I don't know. If God showed us the full picture of what these three years, four years of being in San Diego was going to look like, would we truly say yes if we knew all that was going to come on the other side? 
I'd like to say yes. But maybe the fear of what we were going to walk through, the struggle of what we we're going to go through, would have been so overwhelming in the moment that we would go, God, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. But because we just simply said yes and took one step of obedience, God just began to move us deeper and further into the will and the plan that he had all along. We don't have to understand completely in order to obey immediately. And you see, you have no idea what one simple step of obedience is going to do in your life. You have no idea that this week when, when you invite somebody to come to Christmas Eve services with you, when you give them an invite card, when you ask them to come and sit with you and your family at the service that you're going to show up to, you have no idea the impact that that may have on their family. You have no idea if, if one of them hears the message of Jesus in a way that maybe they hadn't heard it before and it connects in this perfect season and it, it creates this legacy of them being in relationship with Jesus that for generations, their kids understand the value of being in church. You have no idea what your simple step of obedience is going to do. God isn't asking you to control the outcome of this huge picture. He's simply asking you to say yes and be obedient in the moment. And I just want you to be able to step with confidence into your future, not thinking about all the things that could go wrong, not thinking about the flaws, not thinking about the words and the opinions of those around you, not allowing the words that people have spoken over you in the past to hold you back from the truths of what God is saying to you right now in this moment, that you're his child, that you're beloved, that he's pleased with you, that he wants to be with you because he has something in store for you that you never saw coming. Joseph, as he said yes in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took Mary as his wife. Opening the door to the greatest moment in the history of the world birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. What does God want to open up on the other side of your obedience? What does God want to do through your life if you're willing to say yes? I think you'd be pretty shocked at what would be on the other side of your simple act of obedience towards God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you so much for this story. I thank you for, for Matthew's account as he, he talked about Joseph wanting to divorce Mary quietly because it just, it just gives me hope, God, that there are moments when you open doors of opportunities in our life. And, and at first blush, our response is, I, I don't know about this. But I'm so thankful that you're, you're a God who pursues us, even in our doubts, even in our fears, even in our confusion and our insecurity. God, I thank you 
that you still pursued Joseph, that you sent the angel to him in the dream and gave him an opportunity to say yes, to be obedient to you. So God, right now in this moment, I pray for my friends who are watching this. Would you help them build the foundation of their lives on the words that you say about them instead of the words of others? Would you allow your opinion of them to vastly outweigh the opinions of everyone else in their life? Would you allow them to find their identity in you rather than what they do or the words of affirmation or the thoughts and the feelings of, of their jobs and, and what they're accomplishing and their finances? Would, would you let their identity be founded in who you say they are? And God, this week, would you open up opportunities for us to invite people to do life with us, to come to a service where we, we celebrate your son, Jesus. And maybe in that moment, it restarts, it rewrites the story of someone's life that they lean into you and the legacy of their future, the legacy of their family changes because they say yes to you. Would you give us the opportunity to connect with people like that? That as our simple steps of obedience open doors towards the miraculous, God, would you show up in a way that only you can? Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're this intimately involved in our lives. We pray all of this in the strong, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.